Hello, and welcome to another episode of Boundless Body Radio. I'm your host, Casey Ruff, and today we have another amazing guest introduced to you now. J. Paul McLeod is an entrepreneur and a social advocate for local businesses, community services, and accountability in government. He is a digital creator and a ranch hand at Trails Edge Ranch, located in Lac La Biche, Alberta, Canada. He has lost over 160 pounds by using a ketogenic and carnivore diet approach and is anxious to share his message of hope on social media. His focus is to help men and women who are insulin resistant or type 2 diabetic with very high HbA1c results greater than 6.0. Paul helps people learn and understand that they can overcome their carb addiction and regain control over their metabolic health with the use of a low-carbohydrate, healthy-fat diet, regardless of whether it's classified as low-carb, ketogenic, ketovore, or even strict carnivore. Paul understands and promotes the effects of how this change of diet can have on the physical, mental, and spiritual health for anyone who is blindly following the standard American diet, which is massively unhealthy and is now causing serious health issues all around the world in any country that is adopting it. You can find Paul on Instagram at jpaulmcleod or on Facebook at paulmcleod. jpaulmcleod, what an absolute honor it is to welcome you to Boundless Body Radio. Hey, that's awesome, man. Thanks. Thanks very much for that introduction. Absolutely. Um, this is a really cool and unique experience because I actually don't know all that much about you. I believe this is your very first podcast appearance. So I kind of had a hodgepodge um, the, the introduction. Number one. <laughs> Number one, man. <laughs> oh, man. Um, and did I get the pronunciation right on the place you live? Lac La Biche? Lac La Biche, that's correct. Yes. Okay. I, I knew I'd goof it up somehow. It, France was never my um, my my preferred language. We'll just say that. <laughs> now you are up in. Yeah, I neither. <laughs> there you go. Um, you're up in Alberta, um, and I asked you offline if you have a favorite hockey team. You got to choose, man. Got to be Edmonton or it's got to be Calgary. Which one are you going for? Uh, I guess I'll go Edmonton because that's closer, just for geographical reasons. <laughs> I love that they had some good years with Gretzky there in the late '80s. Yeah. Um, but I was growing up here in the Salt Lake Valley, and our AAA affiliate when I was just a little kid uh, was the Salt Lake Golden Eagles, and they were the affiliate for the Calgary Flames. And so I oh, grew okay. up just absolutely worshiping the Flames. I got to see Theo Fleury play here when he played before he went pro, and it was it was an amazing experience. Oh, that's awesome, man. Cool. Yeah, it's great. great yeah, very cool. Um, I've got some family that came from Alberta as well. Um, and all I know about it is it's very cold. Obviously, there's lots of oil and your beef, Berta beef, man, is the best in the world. <laughs> is this true? It is the best. Yeah, Alberta beef rocks the world. Uh, and, and I grow it right outside the door here. Wow, that's phenomenal. I love that. I would love to put it up against the beef that I got in the area of Brazil, the southern part of Brazil that I used to live at that also had just amazing beef. But yeah, everything I hear about Berta beef is just the best. Yeah, right on, man. Right on. <laughs> so cool. Well, I actually just got off the ice. So just did a little skate with some of my buddies and we had, we had a good time. And and as I was driving to the rink, normally that would be the time that I would be listening to some of the interviews that you'd done in the past and um, trying to learn a little bit more about your story. And since I didn't have that, um, I pulled up a podcast and I have this habit of basically like scrolling through certain podcasts and I'll choose the ones where I already know the name of the person. I, I've listened to them. Sometimes I've hosted them and it's cool because, you know, I know their story and maybe I know them personally or whatever. Um, and I, I tend to kind of scroll past the names that I don't know. And I realized today, even just with the low carb MD podcast, it was a name that I didn't know who this person was. And I just let myself like get into this and hear this person's story. And this is doctor from Nepal who's doing amazing work. And I would have never come across him or his work had I not, you know, allowed myself to listen to somebody who I wasn't familiar with their story. And that's very much the case here. I, I'm very unfamiliar with you and your story. And I'm so super excited to um, hear your story. So we mentioned in the introduction, you lost 160 pounds, which is absolutely amazing. Um, how did you have 160 pounds to lose? Let's go back as far as you like. So let's uh, let's take it back to uh, entering grade eight, going from elementary school in our system here in Canada, and I moved into uh, high school in grade eight. And I remember they weighed us all, and I weighed two hundred pounds going into grade eight as as what we would consider a junior in high school. I was a big guy. I'm it, it basically I weighed what I weigh today. Uh, today I'm I'm two hundred and four pounds, and uh, you know we we grew up in a culture where you know, we ate a lot of processed foods. We ate a lot of pasta. We ate a lot of a lot of a, a lot of high carbohydrate diet. Uh, not too much meat because meat was more expensive. Um, you know, mom cooked a lot of you know home baked home baked meals, and of course, it was it was a lifestyle where everything was fat free because that's what, what we were all told to do. And we 
you know, I, I struggled with, with, with weight. I, I can remember, you know, being 18 and then 21 and I was very physically active and, and in all kinds of sports. And it just, it just seemed like there was this, this weight issue just continued to get a little bit bigger and, and, you know, and eventually you finish school and you start your first business and you're, you're going out. And of course you're making a little bit of money. So you go to restaurants to eat dinner. And of course it was a high carbohydrate lifestyle, you know, high carbohydrate, high processed, all kinds of sauces, all kinds of fries, French fries. And, and, and I just metabolically continued to grow and gain weight. And it was this, this slow process to where, you know, 240 went to 250, went to 260. And then ultimately, you know, in my, you know, when I was 40 and today I'm 50, 53, uh, it was like, okay, I, I need to lose a hundred pounds. I'm, I'm, I'm very, very overweight. So I, I, I went on a, a very, very low cal restricted, you know, 1200 calorie a day, you know, quote unquote diet. And I, I, I hated it. I hated life. I hated, I hated having to live and I hated having to drink those drinks. And, and, and the, the quality of life was, was, was extraordinarily poor. Now I, I did lose a little bit of weight. And of course, the minute I stopped doing that, went back to the carbohydrate lifestyle I immediately put all that weight back on. So I kind of resolved myself to the fact, you know, between the ages of 40 and 50 that, Hey, you know, I guess I'm just a big guy and I'm going to be overweight and I've got a big belly and I'm fat and that's the way it is. And here's all there is to do it. And, and that was really frustrating and super disappointing. And, you know, I had an aha moment where, I got a phone call from a good friend of mine. He wanted to know if I knew of a particular gentleman who is pretty much the same age category that I was. And we had shared some previous history. And apparently this gentleman had succumbed to a massive heart attack and he had a stroke and he died in his sleep. And, and this friend of mine said to me, you know, this is a big wake up call for us all. And I went over and hooked up to a blood pressure cough and took my blood pressure and realized that my blood pressure after getting this news was through the roof. And I was, you know, like 188 over 140. Well, we decided that might be a good idea to get in the truck and drive to the hospital under the circumstances. And we did that. And we got to the hospital. And of course, they hooked me up to all kinds of stuff. And they did all kinds of tests. And they took my blood. And the long and short of it all is a few days later, I get a phone call. And they say, you need to come in and see the doctor. And the doctor tells me, you know, Mr. Paul McLeod, you are a raging type two diabetic, and you've probably been one for quite some time and you didn't know it. Your HbA1c is far north of 8.9 and you have hypertension, extreme, and you're massively overweight, you're obese. So you're in a very, very high risk category for just about any and every problem that, that I didn't really want in my life. And the doctor gave me a prescription and said, here you go. You're going to take all these pills for the rest of your life. Well, I didn't like that very much. And I went home and thought, I don't know how to fix this. Because if I did, I wouldn't be here. But what I do know is if I could make myself a type 2 diabetic, a situational diabetic, in other words, something I did caused me to become this type 2 diabetic, I needed to go find out if it was possible to become a non-diabetic, or as I refer to it today, a type two diabetic in remission. And the reason I say in remission is because if I was to go back to a high carb lifestyle, I would immediately be type two diabetic again. In other words, I would make myself into that type two diabetic category that puts you in that 75% risk category for that huge circle of all those problems that are gonna potentially end your life. So. I began to search on YouTube and search, you know, how do you lower your HbA1c? How do you become non-type 2 diabetic? Does anyone else out there have a solution other than taking, you know, copious amounts of metformin and potentially down the road starting to inject myself in insulin? And, and I started to listen to the content creators. I started to listen to the people that were talking about the fact and I happened upon one particular gentleman that I like to plug because he's not doing it for any, any monetary gain and he's, he's, he's giving it away for nothing. 
And I ran across some material from a fellow by the name of Dr. David Unwin in Northumberland, England. And Dr. David Unwin has figured out in his medical practice there that if you start educating clients about the sugar content in what they're eating, that they can naturally start to reduce their blood glucose levels and begin to lessen or reduce their demand need for either insulin or, in my case, metformin. I was also very fortunate to run into a pharmacist who also has stands nothing to gain by the name of Curtis in Cold Lake, Alberta. And Curtis took the passion to sit down with me for over an hour in the Cold Lake Walmart pharmacy and introduce me to a tool that I call a constant glucose monitor that I put on my arm over here. I downloaded an app to my phone and this gave me a fuel gauge. Now I had a way of monitoring 24-7 what was happening to my body. So I, I, could, I could learn how, how my body re reacted. So if I went out and ate some pepperoni sticks and I wasn't careful about what was in the what was in those pepperoni sticks, I would have this massive insulin demand from my pancreas because I had too much sugar in my body. And I realized, oh, well, I guess we need to add that to the list of things that aren't good for Paul McLeod's body. Because I began to realize or learn that when I created a high demand for my body to produce its own insulin, from my pancreas, that caused my, my fat cells to store sugar, which is what I was actually fat. It wasn't that the fat was there, it was the fact that the sugar was being stored in the fat cells. And in my case, it was 100 plus pounds over all this period of time, because it's sort of like a filter that just keeps getting more and more and more plugged until finally one day, all of a sudden, it breaks. and. So we got the constant glucose monitor, started putting those on. I, I paid full price for every single one of them, wore them for probably 16 months. And I, it, 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 it almost became a bit of a game where I could see, oh, I kept my, my blood sugars fairly common and fairly steady over the last you know, 24 hours. I was, I was able to have a, a nominal average of like 5.8 or 6.0 in terms of the, the, the up and down. And, and I began to see through the app that that was creating a situation where my, the, the, the mathematical algorithm that that particular program gives would tell me that, oh, in 90 days, you're going to have an HbA1c, Mr. McLeod, that's going to be down around seven as opposed to over at nine. Now here in Canada, they have decided medically that if your HbA1c is north of or above 6.0, you're a type 2 diabetic. And I realize that's not the case all the way around the world. In the United States, they've put the numbers a little bit higher. But the goal here is if we want to be metabolically healthy, if we want to be, you know, 55-year-old fit dads, we want to try to get our HbA1c down around 5.1, 4.9, which means we're going to need to eat really clean. We're going to need to reduce the amount of insulin that our body needs to create in a 24-hour cycle. And we're going to need to learn how to crush all those carbohydrates that are part of the standard North American diet. You know, I was just in a grocery store earlier today and walking through the aisle realizing that like, like more than 75% of that grocery store was killing me before. And and I, I no longer participate in that today. That's not a part of my lifestyle. I eat a very clean, simple processed salmon, beef. Obviously, I raise beef here. I, 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 we have a bull and a cow-calf operation, and, and I butcher. And so far in this last year, I've eaten two full cows. And I love my beef. On, on the fridge right, in the fridge right now, ready to go for tonight, are two great big massive tomahawk steaks. And that animal supported us here on the ranch and 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 we raised it and 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 we slaughtered it and, I'll be, and I'll now be, we're going I'll be right over. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you should be, man. It's it's <laughs> awesome. It's great meat. But it's it's 100% clean. There's no there's there's nothing in these animals except for grass and water. Like 
That's what those animals were meant to be. And because we don't have a real large herd, we don't have to fill them full of a whole bunch of steroids or medication or whatnot because we're not overpopulating the amount that we use on our land. So going back to my metabolic journey, once I started learning and realizing that if, I, if I'm going to use this constant glucose monitor, because if you're pinpricking your finger, it's like taking out a wooden stick and dipping your gas tank to figure out how much fuel you've got. It's a waste of time. You're not going to fully understand the impact or the effect of what you're eating or drinking. Because I talk to people all the time and they're like, what did you have for breakfast? And they somehow slip in a jar or a glass of orange juice. I'm like, listen, you just you, you just spiked your blood glucose up to 18 or 19 because of that, which caused your pancreas to have this massive dump of insulin into your body so that you could somehow treat your body and prevent the rest of your body and your brain from this massive sugar dose. The constant glucose monitor for me became a powerful tool that I could track the app. I could see if I was doing things right. It, it helped me sort of hone in the path. It's sort of like having a radar that you could watch through the fog and figure out where you needed to take. Now, that's what I did with my body. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a heavy equipment operator. We got a lot of machines. We've got a lot of gauges. I, I am really lost as to how it is in our modern society today. We're not, everybody isn't wearing one and figuring out how this is affecting all of us. Um, so after about one year, you know, February to February and dropping a hundred pounds of, of weight and, and, and effectively what I did, and I cover this in, in the reels that I put on Facebook and Instagram, where I, I, every morning I'd get up and I'd make a three egg omelet. I'd put seven strips of bacon in there. I'd put my, my cheese and my avocado and, and I, you know, a little bit of veg in there. So, you know, really a ketogenic, you know, meal. And I'd, I'd eat that, I'd slice it up into thirds and I'd eat that until I was full, which was typically about two thirds of it. And, and once I got full, my goal was I wasn't going to eat again all day until later in the evening, until the workday was done. So that's had two significant benefits. Without really realizing it, I was starting to do what I call soft intermittent fast. And I hadn't learned about intermittent fasting at that particular time. And I, I was watching people talk about it, but I made sure that my stomach was full that I had really great protein. Eggs are the world's most amazing protein. And put the bacon in there. And at that time, I didn't really understand, but the bacon's got the fat in there. So I was getting my energy from the fats that are coming from bacon. And I would, throughout the day, I would drink, you know, water and whatnot. And back in those days, I was buying all those keto snacks from Costco that say keto this and keto that. And, and I'm, I'm not trying to run it down, but that's why I called it dirty keto. I didn't nail it down. I didn't get it right, Casey. As a matter of fact, one of the most important things that I need to communicate with people is you don't have to get it all right for this to work. I certainly didn't. I hear from people on a daily basis, oh, you know, I cheated or I did this, I did that. I don't see it as cheating. I see it as real life. This is just how we need to clean it up and start to learn. And it doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen in 90 days. It's, it's, it's generally changing our lifestyle and getting more and more in tune with what, with what our metabolic, with what our metabolic body needs. So once I dropped down that hundred pounds and I've been watching, you know, the other online social media content creators, I've been watching Dr. Chaffee and Dr. Sean Baker, and, and I've been watching Dr. Philip Ovedia and I've been watching, you know, Dr. Barry and David Unwin, and these guys are all talking about going even lower carb. And they're talking about going carnivore. And I probably spent about three to four months going, well, isn't that funny? I, I, I grow the meat right outside the back door here. And, you know, we butcher it and throw it on the barbecue on a regular basis. Like, is it really possible that I could just go ahead and live on nothing but beef, bacon, butter, and eggs? And Finally, uh, a friend of mine, 
and, and I, we just, we just decided, yeah, okay. We're both going to do this 90 day beef, bacon, butter and eggs challenge. Like that's it, man. If it's not beef, if it's not butter, if it's not eggs, we're not eating it 90 days. Let's give it a go. Well, it crushed my carb count down even lower. And as I started doing this and we started seeing success and as my inches began tightening up and as the weight continued to drop and now you're, you know, 100, 125 pounds down, I began to realize and understand that there were other things that were happening in my body that couldn't be explained like how come my psoriasis and autoimmune situation that I've struggled with for, you know, much of my adult life. Because in my world, we got to wear hard hats and all this other kind of stuff. And it would just get flaky and flaky in the ears. And Casey, it's gone. gone. It's gone away. And they tell me that that is an incurable. Here's a fancy shampoo. Here's a bunch of creams to rub when they don't work either, by the way. I tell you, man, carnivore, it cured that autoimmune disorder. I started noticing that my skin began to change. and. People started commenting to me and I started hearing things from people like, are you Paul's brother? <laughs> like they thought I was someone else. I looked like Paul, but I must be someone else. Different human. <laughs> and we got to a point and carnivore, they were coming to the end of the 90 days. It's like, I, I don't. I don't see any reason to stop. Like I'm, I'm, I, I'm feeling, I'm feeling phenomenal. I've got way more energy. I don't need to sleep as much. Oh, and by the way, through this whole process, and I recommend anyone that's going to do this in Canada, you can go in to your GP and you can say, Hey, you know, it's my 90 day blood panel. I'd like you to get all my blood work done. And if you talk really nice to them, they'll go ahead and add all those other markers to your blood work. So in my case, every 90 days, I've been monitored very, very closely, including my T, including my LDL, including my, you know, all of these different markers, because I wanted to know, you know, how's my body performing? What's going on? Well, the numbers just kept going down and down and down, except for one, T, T, T. And, you know, as a, as a mid-50s male, that's a real big bonus at this stage of life. And... There's a lot of people out there who will understand or know what I'm talking about. In other words, they had to get real close to the toilet bowl to make sure that they could hit the water and not just splatter all over the edge if we want to be blunt about it. Well, it's helped me cognitively with, with, within my mind. I began to think differently. When I was 365 plus pounds, I saw the world and I saw problems. Today, the brain fog is gone. The ketogenic lifestyle and the natural ketones that I've learned or been able to create on a daily basis have caused my hypothalamus, the memory issues that I was having, and the cognitive function of my brain to revert back to the way it was when I was 16 to 18 years old, which has been, which has been life-changing as well. Today, I don't see problems. Today, I see solutions. So in, practi in practice, when something comes up and it's not positive or there's something that needs to be solved, I don't look at it as a problem anymore. I see it as, some, as an opportunity to find some really proactive solutions and, and work and get through that. And that has everything to do with my mental health. So how does going from 365 pounds to 204 pounds and finding myself in a position where I've now got the guts to believe that Dr. Sean O'Mara in his online material, where he talks about the fact that a 60 year old man can have a washboard gut. Remember I was morbidly obese. I've now allowed myself to dream and set goals that that's possible for my body. As I look at losing what we figure is maybe nine, nine pounds left. Um, it's it's been a heck of a journey, and the main goal that I have here, Casey, here today is I'm looking for one more Paul McLeod. I'm looking for one more gal who's where I was, who was frustrated, who was upset, because the most important thing about my ketogenic carnivore lifestyle is I eat like a king. I have not starved to death. 
If you were to come over tonight and sit down and have those tomahawks, and let me tell you, man, I am a, I, I am an Alberta rancher that smokes on the pit, boss, and you would be honored to, to eat that meat. Beautiful. So this lifestyle is sustainable. I, I can live the rest of my life this way because I'm fit. I'm excited. I can jump on and off gear and equipment like I never could before. I don't need as much sleep anymore. And mentally, I'm functioning at a much different level. And I want other people to understand that they can do it too. <laughs> that is an incredible story. I am so uh, honored that you would come on our show and be the first ever podcast you've been on, dude. This is maybe your first and it ain't going to be your last. It, it's it's incredible. And I hope, I think most of our audience is pretty familiar with carnivore diets at this point. Um, it would be, I would love to hear if somebody is listening to this for the first time, hearing about carnivore for the first time and thinking, wait a second, like you lost a bunch of weight on keto, but then you transition to carnivore and you name all these other things that don't seem like they have anything to do with food and they have everything to do with food. And that happens when you switch and go carnivore. You're right. Like the weight loss continues, the fat loss continues, but the skin issues, the gut issues, the mental clarity, like all of that stuff happens when you transition over to carnivore. And it can get really weird. It's a long laundry list that most people have of things that get better. And most of the time they even like forget about them. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, you're hundred percent right. I mean, one of the things that I learned and, and I found is that the body knows what it's doing better than we do mentally. We really like to watch a scale and we like to watch it drop and drop and drop and drop and drop. Remember earlier on, and I don't know if we're where, where we got. So it, it bears repeating. I have no extra skin. Now I obviously had a lot of extra skin. So I was watching and, and listening to uh, Dr. Annette Bosworth, or Dr. Boz, as we all hear from her. And she was talking about this concept of autophagy or autophagy, basically the Greek word for body eats thyself. So cleansing, cleansing, getting rid of the unwanted cells, in my case, skin cells, in my case, you know, fat cells that were no longer needed or wanted. And you know, I was like, well, you know, maybe, maybe I can do a 16 and eight. So we'll have dinner at eight o'clock at night. Nice, big, high protein, you know, ribeye steak or tomahawk steak or whatever, whatever it is you want. If you're eating head to tail, you know, eat the brisket. I mean, it's all good protein. Make sure it's got a lot of fat in it because the fat's where we're getting our energy from. And, and then tomorrow morning, get up. I'm one of these guys, I'm not an extremist. So I, I still drink coffee and I don't put anything in my coffee. I might do butter bombs every once in a while. Occasionally I'll add some whole milk with that butter bomb if I want, you know, maybe a bit of a treat. But most of the time I just drink straight old black coffee the way it comes out of the coffee maker. No big deal. And then I'll go on and get involved in my day and I'll, I'll have issues and I'll be working on this and working on that. And I'll find that, you know, pretty soon, Oh, look at that. Everybody's going to lunch right now and I'm still not hungry. So I'll wait until my body calls for the hunger or I get that first true because we have to retrain our bodies what the true hunger call is. So, you know, I found sometimes it was 11 o'clock in the morning and sometimes it was two o'clock in the afternoon. So make up a bunch of hamburger patties, you know, make some sliders, you know, do a bunch of bacon on the smoker and Crack it up in your in, in your plastic bag as if it's potato chips, and uh, you know a package of bacon up here in Canada. If you buy it on sale, it's like five bucks. That's like personally the same price as a pack of uh, potato chips. Only one's really good for it, and the other one's killing you. That's right. And 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 when you're hungry, just go ahead and have something to eat, and then drink a bunch of water. And funny enough, you're full. Now we've condensed that eating window from you know sixteen or eighteen. And, and six hours, and then I would finish up my day and get home and have, you know, proper, you know, regular dinner meal, uh, carnivore, and, and, and go to bed. And, and I began to find myself in a cycle where every once in a while I would, well, people call it plateau, and I've since learned that, you know, unless it's, you know, more than 90 days long, it's not a plateau. The body's doing something else to heal itself. The body's addressing this, the largest organ we have on us, and that's our skin, right? So what 
is happening to our body, we have to pay attention. We need to listen. We need to be patient because the body knows more than we do. I talk to people about the fact that this took 20 months, which is not really a long period of time. But for those people that get started on carnivore and after 90 days, they're like, well, it hasn't really given me the results I want. You know, one of the biggest things that that I that I I just never quit. You know, my 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 last name is McLeod, and in the Scottish lore, our our our, our crest stands for hold fast, stand strong. Mm. Guys, hold fast on your carnivore journey and stand strong and just keep with the program. Your body's gonna pay you back. You will win. You will overcome either your mental health issue or you'll overcome your your, your physical issue. If you're type 2 diabetic, you're going to need to be monitored very closely by your doctor because your doctor's going to need to dial down how much medication you're on. If you're injecting with insulin, you're going to need to be really, really careful that you don't go too low because your body's going to start healing itself and you don't need all that extra insulin or that metformin. The same way, my medical health practitioner was forced to cease my prescription on metformin because I was crushing it into the 3.9s, 2.99. And he went, well, obviously you don't need this anymore. <laughs> Same thing happened with the blood pressure. The blood pressure meds, my blood pressure just kept going down, going down and getting better. So really important tip that you need to monitor it. You need to be really careful and understand the relationship between this medication and this, this improvement in your metabolic lifestyle, which some people would call a diet. I call it a lifestyle today. Yeah. I really appreciate that. That, yeah. Awesome tips and really, um, such an interesting journey. Now, when, when you're talking to, to your practitioners, as you're going through this process, they're, they're de-prescribing medication. I would expect them to not know necessarily how to do that because I just don't write another prescription, but were they curious? Did they want to know what was going on with you? So here in Canada, unfortunately, the Canadian medical health guide and the Canadian food guide, um, and, and then the, the, the practicing licensing bodies within Canada does not allow a practicing GP who wants to keep his medical license to counsel me to do this low carb, high fat or carnivore lifestyle. So as a matter of fact, my doctor, who's in extremely good shape, great guy, here I've lost over 100 pounds and he tells me from the book, you can't do this anymore. You got to stop. And, you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, you know, like whatever you do, keep doing. He's just making sure he's dotting his I's, crossing his T's, keeping to the, the place where one of the things I really appreciate and I admire so much, Dr. David Unwin over there in, in England, is he has been a pioneer over the last 11 years within the English medical healthcare system where he's actually advocated at the legislative level to get it to the point where he's now able to charge and counsel his own patients in his own clinic. And last I had heard or read in a podcast somewhere, he has in 11 years been able to help 183 people stop taking their type two diabetic medication to get there. So we're, we're unfortunate. It's, it's awesome. But if we go ahead and macro that number out and look at it in the whole world, it's a really, really small number. And there just there just aren't enough Paul McLeods right now. There needs to be, I don't need to be one in one in eight million. I need to be one out of a thousand. Like we need to find and help more people overcome their carbohydrate addiction, get off their sugar high, and start leading the proper human diet and eating a non-processed food lifestyle so that they can be metabolically fit, so that they can go skiing with their kids, so they can go out and do what you did, go skating with their buddies today. So they can go out like I did and ranch and go chop a hole in the ice because we haven't got enough snow, so we've got to go and chop an ice so that those cows can drink 80 liters of water each a day. Wow. It's funny. People say to me, Mr. McLeod, do you ever go to the gym? No, I've never been to the gym. I've never been to the gym, and I look like this. <laughs> That's and, awesome. You know, but, my gym is here at the ranch and it's loading wood into the wood boiler, it's splitting wood or it's 
you know, like I found that as I became more and more healthy and as, 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 you know, I, I got down to a size, size 34 inch waist Levi 501, which you guys, you got to understand I had coveralls that were 54 inches. I had jeans that were 48 and 50 inches. Wow. Like this is a massive, massive change. Wow. And that's why I have the passion that I have today. That's why, you know, like we talked about earlier, I'm just looking for one more one more person who's willing to believe that they can get off their insulin or their metformin. Those drugs are terrible. They do terrible things to your body and nobody seems to care about it. Yep. Well, it's pretty simple people, man. I Beef, love it. Bacon, eggs. I love it. I love it. I sure like you, Paul. I could stand a few more of you around. That'd be great. That's fine with me. <laughs> I made the observation once a few years ago, some of the exercises that were getting really popular at my gym, like people were swinging sledgehammers onto tires and then they would like grab heavy weights and carry them back and forth on a field. And I just, I, I'd laugh like all of these things were natural movements to like get something out of you'd get wood and have a fire. You'd get water and carry it to your place. And like, we've lost all of that. So now we have to do these weird mimicking things inside the gym. So let me just tell you, you're not missing anything in the gym, my friend. I, no need to get a membership for sure. Save your money. <laughs> no, not going, not yeah, going. No. Good. Yeah. Good for you. Um, okay. I, I had an interesting experience recently with somebody with a CGM. Um, I, you know, being in the low carbohydrate space for since, you know, 2000, um, I don't know, 18 or whatever, I've, I've learned a lot about CGMs, talked to a lot of people. They, they tell me how amazing it is to like find the foods they like and, and what keeps their, you know, CGM, this really boring kind of a roller coaster where it's not really going up or down, it just stays flat. Yeah. And so I, I was on vacation in Mexico. I ran into a woman. I could see that she clearly had one on the back of her arm. I said, oh, cool. Is that a CGM? She said, yes. I said, what do you think? Do you like it? She's like, yeah, it's great. And she kept emphasizing the point that it was way better than sticking her finger. And I, I thought yeah. it was, it is for sure. Like I agree. Um, but, but that was kind of like the main point. I, I, she never really talked about how it helped her identify foods that were good or bad for her. She didn't talk about whether it helped her lose weight or not. She just said like two or three times, like this is better than sticking your finger, which you're, you're so right. I love the analogy that you gave of like, if you stick your finger, you get that one shot in time of what's going on in your blood. That doesn't tell you anything about five minutes before or five minutes after. And so the CGM is just such a better tool to see in real time what's actually going on. Um, and anyway, she was, you know, showing me some of the features and she opened up the screen and it flashed and said that her, her blood sugar was like 275 or something. It was a really high number. And I think she was a little embarrassed because she closed her phone, but you could tell that like, there wasn't a ton of like education that somebody put into her to say like, no, use this tool to then show you what the flat causing foods are for you. Basically keep your blood sugar as flat as possible. And so she, she wasn't quite there yet. And so going back to when you got your first one and learning how to use that as a tool, was it the pharmacist that kind of took the time to educate you about that? You said he sat you down for at least an hour and kind of talked about it, but yeah. um, is, is that part of what he did is teach you how to use it? Or did you just find that over time, the tool is so amazing. You just learned how to use that yourself and gamify it. Like you said. Yeah. So one of the, one of the options within the, I, I, I uh, I received nothing from these people. So I, I used the freestyle and then ultimately they've come out with freestyle too. So those are the ones that are locally available to me that I can run down to my, my local pharmacy and, and, and buy one, you know, hundred, $115 every two weeks. And, uh, you know, it syncs with my phone and it seamlessly, uh, communicates now with my phone through Bluetooth. And here's a real key figure. What's really important is what your average number is, not what your high and what your low is, because you can spike very like like an athlete or someone who's in terrific shape like you are, Casey. You can go out and you can eat one of those little, little ruffles, potato chips, the little tiny one, you know, like whoever has just that many potato chips. And if you were to have a constant glucose monitor, you would uh, you would see that you would spike up to 18 or 21 instantly. So that's in, in a metabolically healthy man like yourself, who's in great shape and isn't insulin resistant, you're still putting this phenomenal strain on your body and causing your pancreas to produce all this just in those 18 tiny little Ruffles potato chips. So all of a sudden you start looking at it and going, maybe those aren't really all that good for me. 
maybe all those canola oils and all those monosuitnic glutens or whatever is in that and the potatoes and whatnot, maybe that's actually hurting my body. And now we've got a tool that we can go ahead and see that. So it's it's that it's that daily average, you know. Now here in Canada, I realize, and I heard before when you mentioned some of the numbers, and and you guys do it in a three, in, in a hundred, and here we do it, uh, you know, like six point one or six point five. And I uh, I have figured out the math before, but I don't remember it right now. But I've I've certainly watched Annette Bosworth as she's run the numbers. So she's really into into doing that and 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 kudos and all the all the great tour and hey guys if anybody wants to go talk to somebody or watch somebody on youtube that's really dialed this in dr annette bodsworth in my opinion has really got it down so the constant glucose monitor is how we continue to watch and see what our daily average score is and within the freestyle app and your phone it gives you what your daily average was. What was your weekly average? What was your set 14 day average? And now you can really start to dial this in because it's that long term over the period of time that begins to really impact the degree to which you are either insulin resistant or healing. And the point or the exercise here is you want to heal. Now, as you're lowering your blood glucose level and you're becoming more natural or normal, or an Elon Musk road, they would call it nominal, we're trying to get to a place where our body realizes that we're not in metabolic fatigue anymore. We're not, there isn't a big issue happening and we can start to release that weight and our body naturally goes into a state of ketosis. And in ketosis, our liver begins to take some of that additional fat that we've got stored in our body and it will start to convert it back into ketones. Now, the really cool thing about ketones is, first of all, it's the one thing that's going to have an enormous impact on your brain, on your mental health. Every baby that's born into the world, I've learned, is born into the world in the state of ketosis. And so ketones are not a bad thing. The other thing that's really cool about ketones is once you convert some of that metabolic fat and sugar into a ketone, you either do one of two things. If your body doesn't use it for energy because you're not active enough, and if your brain doesn't need it for, for mental health, you either urinate it out and you can get a pee strip and you can actually see that happening, or you get keto breath. And some people say, well, I don't want keto breath. Well, I'll tell you what, I don't want to be 365 pounds. So I'll deal with keto breath. That's a practical problem that I can address. Good point. So if if... This is where we get into the part of the conversation where we're getting a little more advanced. We're now down, you know, 125, 135 pounds. It's getting harder to lose the weight. I've got to work a lot harder to, to continue to, 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 to cut or get my metabolism going. And now we start looking at the macros. How much fat have I got in my diet? Because I kept listening to Dr. Chafee and Dr. Barry and, you know, the ketogenic woman, you know, talk about how they're, they're, they're doing fat bombs in there. And I'll be honest with you, I came from a lifestyle and, and, and we grew up in a world where, well, we just didn't eat any fat. It was like we ate the low fat of everything. Hey, if there's a newsflash for anybody today, I eat a tremendous amount of fat, animal fat today, bacon fat and ribeye fat and the fat off my animals. And I'm in the best shape of my life in the last 50 years. So that has a significant impact on, you know, my metabolic health and how healthy I've been able to become. There's one more little trip or tip that I added, Casey, that I'd like to talk to you about that helped me go from 215 pounds to 205 and 204 pounds. And Dr. Andrew Huberman interviewed a lady on one of his podcasts from Finland about cold plunging. Now, I live in what most people would consider a fairly Arctic or very northern climate. So for me to go ahead and put a bucket of water out there and try to keep it from freezing when it's minus 21 degrees out night did not seem very practicable. It just won't work. So I work out in, in, in a hot tub and a swim spa and I do a lot of my, my resistance training and I'm in the water at 104 degrees and I warm my body up that way. And I thought to myself, I thought, you know, I bet if I just stand out here and drip dry 
in the blowing wind at minus 21, it's going to have the same effect as you guys jumping in your your, your backyard down in down in Arizona or Texas, and you guys are pouring ice cubes in it. I'm going to get just as cold until I start to shiver. That, without a doubt, helped accelerate my metabolism and helped my body understand and realize. And this is where I think, you know, uh, Dr. Sean O'Connor, you know, as he talks about, you know, losing that last visceral bit of fat that's on my belly, those last little bit of, you know, love handles and what I call the lats back here, the weight that's behind that. This is where the last of my weight is. And it, it, it's been utterly fascinating to me just to see how you can take a low carb, high fat lifestyle, take and turn that into a ketogenic lifestyle. Ultimately, at some point, I began to be ketovore. So, you know, under 50 net grams of carbs in a day. And then ultimately, what the heck, let's just go full on carnivore. So we're going to, some days we're literally zero carbs in the entire day or as a carnivore, you know, with everything else that's going on in your life, at least you're under 20 net grams of carbs in a day. Add that in with some intermittent fasting, do some one meal a day, do some hacking. Every once in a while, I'll just make another one of those ketogenic omelets and put the avocado and put the veg in there. In other words, I'm just, I'm just adding a little bit of carb, but I'm being really careful what carbohydrate I add. And then I started basically doing what we call a Northern Albertan version of cold plunge. And I dare any of you who uh, haven't stepped outside at minus 21 when you're at 104 degree water and stood there till you drip dry and you're literally shivering. It's, uh, it, it, it's intense. I'll, I'll check it out when I come up for that tomahawk later tonight. <laughs> That sounds legit. Okay, so that is very, very interesting. And we've obviously talked a lot about cold plunging. It's a really hot thing right now. I've been thinking about purchasing my own to go with my sauna, which I absolutely love. And and again, where where most people might be thinking like, okay, I've lost all this weight. I've got a little bit more to lose. I need to break through a plateau. Um, you hear a lot of like adjustments in the macronutrients and people eating less fat and more protein. You're saying that one thing that really helped you the most to, to break through that plateau was cold plunging more than it was anything else you changed in the diet? Well, I would say cold plunging and I started eating more fat. More fat. I, 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 I've, I've really suffered from not eating enough fat. And 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 I, I had a mental block. I had, you know, like I, I, like I've just grown up, you know, my mother, you know, everything was no fat. As a matter of fact, we used to take the whatever meat we had and we used to cut all the fat out of it and feed it to the dogs. Well, they loved it. And I guess we should have figured it out back then. <laughs> And, and what's interesting is like when when we have an animal that we that we uh, that we harvest here on the ranch, um, the the ranch dogs, the working dogs, the dogs that protect the ranch, they all want the fat first. That's what they want because they realize and know that the nutrient benefits. God, man, none of these dogs are fat. That's right. None of these wild animals are fat. Like like we've got to figure out and understand that all these people that are running around the grocery store looking at, you know, how many calories are on this, how many, listen, it doesn't matter. I don't care. I haven't counted one calorie to lose 168 pounds. What I have done is turned the package over and gone, how many carbohydrates in a serving? And if it's a number greater than zero, it's not on my list. And then look at the sugar, how much sugar is in a serving? And then you got to add the carbohydrate number to the sugar, and that's your total net grams of carbohydrate in that package. And it's funny because I was in the grocery store today, and I turned to my friend and I said, "You know, I used to eat an awful lot of this. Isn't it funny that when I when I look at this, I realize that I was by the time I finished that whole box of oatmeal cookies, I was well in excess of four hundred net grams of carbohydrates." And I did that every single week thinking that I was eating healthy. Wow. And no wonder I got to be morbidly obese. Yeah. I was just thinking in my head, like the, the orange juice example that you gave earlier, liquefied sugar, where, how in the world, in our evolution, could we have been able to do that if we wanted to? That was not a thing. And now it's so ubiquitous, nobody even thinks about it. So yeah, a box of 
oatmeal cookies you think is is fine and has some fiber or whatever like it all adds up to be this crazy amount of carbohydrate that people are taking in and everybody's getting so sick like you said so i think that's a really good example and something to to definitely keep in mind so so Okay, here's a, here's another good example. So last week, um, we released an episode with Maria Emmerich. She's amazing. She's been in our space for a long time. She is wonderful with creating recipes for people. And she was kind enough to send me a few of her cookbooks, which are amazing and beautiful and have lots of good recipes. Well, as you know, as I know, if you've been doing this long enough, a carnivore recipe is steak, is salt, is eggs. Like, it, it, there's nothing, you don't follow recipes anymore. It's just like burger patties. Like, it, it's so simple. Yeah. You don't you don't need to, like, follow recipes. And so I, I one of my clients just started on her low-carb journey. I said, hey, I've got a, this cookbook for you. I hope this really helps you. I think this would be great. She's like, oh, my goodness, wow, that's amazing. Are you sure you don't want to, like, have it and enjoy it? And I'm like, uh, you know, I'm kind of past that point. Like, this was really helpful for me when I was getting started. I needed to see yeah. some of these recipes, and it was helpful to, you know, try to use almond flour arrowroot powder or whatever the hell else we were using back in the time. And I'm past that now. So people yeah. might be listening who are, are listening to us and we're talking about carnivore and it's so simple and cold plunging and, and standing out drip drying outside and, and 20 below. And they might think like, okay, this is not possible for me. I can't do that. It's too big of a jump. It's too big of a commitment. How, how do you help people understand that, that they just need to start and what things do you recommend for people in the very beginning? So in that, that, that's, that's an, ex, that's an outstanding question. And it's, it's something that needs to be addressed and, and, and needs to be super clear because I have to remind myself that who I am today and how I'm eating or even how I'm coaching other people or even the reels I'm making to today, I, I have to find myself back in my, my, in, in my iPhone and go back to those pictures from three years ago and remember the life and the lifestyle and how I live. So the number one thing that I tell people is the first thing you need to do is you need to figure out what the net number of carbohydrates in a given day is that you're actually eating. So I didn't know what a carbohydrate was two years ago. I had no idea. Everybody had always talked to me about calories. So I might upset some people with this statement, but it's worked for me. So that's all that I really care about. I don't care how many calories you're eating in a given day. What I cared about was how many carbohydrates did you eat in a, in a given day? So Dr. David Unwin and his group over there, they did all these lovely little charts that help you figure out that if you eat a bowl of oatmeal and half a bowl of oatmeal, just rolled oats, that good old fashioned that grandma made for us that I grew up with and I've had, I don't know, thousands of times, there's four point whatever. So let's just call it five for the math cubes of sugar and half a cup of oatmeal. And I don't know about you, but I never ate just half a cup of oatmeal. It was usually two cups. So now we're at 5, 10, 15, 20, 20 net grams of sugar. So if we just stacked all those sugar cubes up, 20 of them, of course, I had my coffee, which had to be a triple triple. So now we got another five cubes of sugar in there as well. So now we're at 25 cubes of sugar. We got to add that bagel. That bagel, if we go to Dr. Unwin's, group and the low carb down under and their group and the work that they've done to put all these little charts together. Now, all of a sudden we realize that there's another seven net grams of carbohydrates or sugar cubes in that. So now we're getting close to 30. Then I put my peanut butter, and my jam on it. Let's just give it another five, call it 35. We're not done yet because coffee time comes at 10 o'clock or 1030. And of course we're in construction. So everybody has to stop and have coffee, right? So we go up and we have coffee with more sugar and whatever. Now we're starting to talk, we're, you know, 30 net cubes of sugar. By the time we get to the end of coffee, we're at 50 cubes of sugar that I've technically consumed and I haven't seen hardly any of it other than the five that went in the coffee and the five that went in the one at lunch. So I tell people, you need to learn and become educated where the hidden carbohydrates are in your diet, that orange juice you're drinking, that apple you're eating, Oh boy, guys, look out for that banana because that banana is really spiking your blood sugar. That rice, if you're coming from a community where you have a high rice content diet, you're putting a tremendous amount of sugar and causing your body to go into insulin resistance in a rather major way. That bread, bread's a killer. We were not designed as human beings to consume the copious amounts of bread that are available to us 
in our lifestyle today. Now, do I miss bread? Sure I do. I love a great roll of sourdough that's just come out of the bed and put fresh butter on it. Unfortunately, I learned that it doesn't like me. So, no, I don't eat bread anymore. And, you know, I want to give a shout out to, you know, a buddy of mine that's, you know, in his mid-60s and, you know, semi-retired, um, you know, living on a fixed income, uh, 281 pounds, um, wasn't sure if he could do this. And so we just sat down and talked about it and counseled, let's cut the breads out, let's cut out the complex carbohydrates and the 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 not let's go to more simple processed food. So he went and made a deal with some people uh to trade some of his services for some of the elk meat that they had and basically ate elk and ground beef and a little bit of bacon and some eggs. And you know, 60 days later, the guy's down, you know, 25 pounds and he's in his late 60s. And that kind of a change can make a major impact on a person's both physical health, but also their mental health, because you start to feel better about yourself. And all of a sudden, this problem that's been marketing out of control and out of control and out of control, you begin to realize that, well, this actually isn't anywhere near as complicated as I thought it was. I just need to eat right. So if you're wondering if this will work for you, the most important advice I have for you is, you don't have to get it all right, but you do have to start and start over and over and over again and hold fast and stand strong. I love that. <laughs> I absolutely love that. That's fantastic. Now, somebody might be listening or watching this and seeing you and how healthy you are and how vibrant you are and saying like, yeah, the physical benefits sound okay. The mental acuity sounds way better. Higher testosterone. All these benefits are great. But maybe Paul's just using this to be a social media influencer. <laughs> I have to ask you, what, what made you so lit up that you wanted to share this on a platform that you may or may not have had a ton of experience with? <laughs> So I, I didn't have any experience with it. Um, I, uh, I I reached a point where, you know, I guess if I'm being if I'm being completely honest with you, I like my 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 own adult children didn't really want to have a whole lot to do with me in my life, and you know, I was metabolically a mess. I was this huge fat dad, and you know, my kids were becoming young adults of their own, and blah blah blah. And I thought to myself, I thought, you know, maybe one of the best ways that I can eventually reach you know, my three children is I'll just start cutting and making these reels. And eventually someday they'll see that, Hey dad, you know, made some changes to his life and Hey dad, you know, became a little bit better. So at the very beginning, I did this for Matt, Rachel and Elizabeth. And ultimately I began to get some feedback and some people would start saying to me, Oh, you know what? That's really good stuff, Paul, or boy, that's really, that, that impacted me in a way. And then a good buddy of mine, you know, and he was well over, you know, 475 pounds and, you know, eight to 10 years younger than I am. Uh, he, uh, he joined me and sort of became my, my running buddy in, in our, in our low carb ketogenic lifestyle. And, you know, we both went and snowmobiled together and we both went and played together. And like, we both had active lifestyles. We're just both really, really big fat men. And he began to see some of the same success that I was seeing. And that success turned into, in his case, more than 174 pounds of weight loss and has revolutionized his life, his family, his experience with, like, do you realize we are far more competitive snowmobilers today than we were back when we were morbidly obese? Of course. And more importantly, we're able to influence the immediate people around us, the people that, that we interface or discuss with. So I began to realize and notice that I had a responsibility to share my story, to lend my voice, to, to find another person like Paul McLeod, because if I have one regret in this whole journey, it's that I wished I'd have learned about this 20 years earlier. The amount of pain and suffering that I would have been able to go away from, because today, I don't have that arthritic pain that they told me I'd live with for the rest of my life. It's gone. And the brain fog and the ability to compute like I did when I was, you know, 18 or 21 years old, well, that's back now. And I enjoy running my business. I enjoy serving my customers. I enjoy dealing with the ranch. I even have a different outlook 
today about my relationship with other family members and how I interact and relate to them. Because I think in the world of men's mental health, I've actually found the elixir of how we as older or aging men don't deal very well with the concept that our mental health is affected because after all, we're men, so it can't be a problem for us. I think there's so much more to what's going on here than just losing, you know, 168 pounds. I'm super fired up about a goal that I set that came to me where it's like, I want to help enough other people like Paul McLeod lose 10,000 pounds in one given year. Where can we find enough people that all want to take the dignity of risk? Because that's really what you're doing. You're, you're, just, you're just investing in a concept where you are willing to put a little bit of belief in Paul McLeod or in Casey or in Dr. Chafee or in Annette Bosworth or Dr. Sean O'Mara or Dr. Philip Ovedia. I don't care who it is you listen to. That's not what's important. I think the reason people are doing this is because we're changing people's lives. We're saving people. We're actually getting people into the condition that we were metabolically meant to be. And we're fighting against a, a system or a, well, it's really a monetary, you know, circumstance where the food and drug and alcohol, they, they, they want people to be on, on pills. They, they make money pushing pills. My doctor and my pharmacist are not making any money off me anymore, and they both laugh about it. <laughs> it's, it's not funny when you think about the fact that at, at my little pharmacist that I go to here in Boyle, he tells me that I'm the only person in 21 years who's ever been able to put his diabetes, type 2 diabetes, into remission. Wow. But we need to change that number. Yep. And that's my why. I don't make any money from doing this. I've really not even figured out. I'm not even trying to figure out how to make money doing this. What I am trying to do is I want to affect enough families right across North America that we can lose more than 10,000 pounds because that goal doesn't really involve me anymore. I can't lose much more than I've already lost. But what I can do is I can apply my intention and my passion and lend my voice and say, hey, if I can do it, so can you. Uh, it's, yeah, I'm speechless, man. Yeah, it's, it's, it's awesome. I'm, I'm covered in chills right now. I absolutely love your work. I'm so glad that I, I didn't know as much about your story heading into this interview that I know now. And it, it's really powerful stuff. I love the goal. If there's anything any of us can ever do to help, I mean, just always reach out. But this has been incredible just to hear your story. And I, I just, I really appreciate the way you have been able to learn the information that can be very technical and, and scientific, but also understand it at a certain level and be able to explain it at a certain level. And I think that makes it a lot easier for, for people to grasp. And again, to hear your personal story interwoven with all of it is just, it's so inspiring. And so I have no doubt that you'll reach your goal. And I am so excited for all the people that are going to, um, come in contact with you and meet with you and be inspired by you because, um, it's, it's really powerful stuff, man. It's, it's just, it's been awesome. I've really enjoyed this conversation. It's definitely been one of my favorites. Where would you like people to go to find you and connect with you and your work? Well, at this point, really, the only two things I got set up is the Instagram account that you mentioned earlier at uh, J. Paul McLeod. And uh, uh, it's, it's relatively new. So um, I, I just I try to go out there, uh, you know, once or twice a day and just give some tidbits and some thoughts and, and comment. A lot of the questions that people are asking me in the DMs, um, I'll answer it with a reel so that, you know, a, a whole lot more people can get that answer. And that answer lives out there in eternity. Um, the other place is my Facebook profile, um, Paul McLeod, uh, and my Facebook profile is public. You can see everything I've been involved with ever since the day I started with Facebook. We don't sanitize it. We're not cleaning it up. I'm real. And this is just a normal guy that ranches in Northern Alberta who runs a sewer and water contracting company who managed to figure out and was lucky enough to 
stick with it because that's really the key sticking with it well just a normal guy who um is doing very abnormal work and and above and beyond what it should be done i just i really appreciate you and everything that you've done and for taking the time to come on our show today like i said maybe your first podcast but definitely won't be your last and i hope more people get your message so thank you again so much for everything you've gone through and thank you for taking time to be on our show today paul we really appreciate you yeah Right on, man. Thanks very much. Yeah. Awesome, buddy. Thank you. And this has been another episode of Boundless Body Radio. Thank you so very much for continuing to listen to Boundless Body Radio. As 2023 has come to a close and we're starting another new year in 2024, I always try to reflect on not only the direction that we want to go in the future, but also how much we have grown in this last year. Our podcast has now generated well over 400,000 downloads from all over the world, and it's all thanks to fantastic listeners like yourself. I hope you are as excited for the new year as we are around here. The lineup of guests that we have coming up is absolutely staggering, and we're always striving to bring you the best content from the most amazing people in health, nutrition, and wellness. Remember that you can always head on over to our website to book a complimentary 30-minute session with us at myboundlessbody.com. On our homepage, there is a book now button where you can select a time to speak with us about your health and fitness plan, especially for the new year. We've absolutely loved chatting with so many of you out there to bounce ideas off each other and try to come up with plans to help you achieve specific goals. And seriously, I really do mean this. Even if it's just to say hello and introduce yourself, we absolutely love connecting with our listeners in the community. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel as well if you want to watch these full interviews and also shorter interviews on more specific topics that are taken from these interviews. We've gotten really great feedback over there, and it's also a really fun way to interact with people who comment. We read and reply to every single YouTube comment we get, so be sure to subscribe to our channel and leave as many comments as you like to keep the conversation going. And of course, if you haven't already, please leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really is the best way to make sure that the podcast gets out to more listeners. Your five-star ratings and reviews are the best way to support us here at Boundless Body and to support the podcast at Boundless Body Radio really only takes a moment and it's very meaningful to us. Cheers to 2024 and thank you again for listening to Boundless Body Radio.